This podcast is sponsored by YYC Real Estate Group, offering a tailor-made service, versatility and expertise for all your real estate needs. Are you thinking about selling, buying, investing or having your properties managed? For more information, check our website, www.yycrealestategroup.com. We are passionate about real estate and we love to support local businesses. We hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Cheers. Yeah, let's get this going. Uh, you know, what what podcast is this, Dave? Is this podcast number... I think we're on 33. 33. You're, you're 33, Terry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those that don't know Terry, um, Terry... Is our is actually our broker? Yes, at Equium Living. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, Terry Brook was uh, with. How do I say this? Bo- Bourgeois. Bourgeois Brook Chin Associates. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. He he has been a commercial real estate appraiser in Calgary for forty three years. 43 years in Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, he's also the broker of Equium Living. Uh, We got to talk about how that conversation started. I'm curious how you you and uh, Nav, Navaz know each other. Okay. Um, (laughs) And uh, he's, you've had your real estate license for 18 years. Yeah, it's as close as I can calculate it to. Jeez. Okay. So Terry was, um, and just, uh, I think you just la- like recently, re- stepped recently stepped down or something. Yeah. It, well, it's a two year term and mm-hmm. mine finished on the 19th of March. So 19th. Oh, so just almost a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was the president of, uh, the appraisal Institute of Canada. Alberta. Alberta. Oh. Alberta. Sorry. Appraisal like, oh, Institute. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> of Alberta. Um, so he was the president president there of Appraisal Institute of Alberta and has been on the board of directors for nine years. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he has also volunteered at the national level of Appraisal Institute. Currently special investigator on the professional practice committee. This is for this appraisal yeah, this committee. Is yeah, for... not real estate, right? Appraisal. Yeah. No, we'll get to that part in yeah. a little while. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> and uh, is a professional. So I just read that. a professional comp. comp- competency Competency interviewer. interviewer. <laughs> yeah. So if if you go through the designation process to become an appraiser, the very last step is an hour-long interview in which you're asked a whole bunch of questions. Mm. And um, there's, I don't know how many more there is right now, but probably about 30 people across the country do it. Mm. So, and uh, even before COVID, we switched to an online platform. So we, the other day I interviewed someone who was in Toronto and, one other interviewer was in Vancouver, myself in Calgary, and the third guy was in Manitoba. So you're interviewing them? Yeah, basically it's the final step. 
okay. of competency. The designation process. We interview you to discover if you've got enough experience to give you a designation. Yeah. Mm. Similar to what like Chris was saying for the um, inspections. Mm. Like he's a, a proctor for the exams. and yeah. Nice. All right. Well, we're not done here. <laughs> Terry has appraised all types of commercial properties ranging from industrial condo units to Bankers Hall as a new build. Um, a significant proportion of the firm's work is an expert as an expert witness on litigation or land compensation assignments. Yeah. Jeez. Is there, is there anything that we missed there? Uh, no, not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're uh, the broker at Equium Living too. Yes. <laughs> so I'm very curious. How, how did that conversation start with you guys? Yeah. Like when did you oh, hear about that? Yeah. And how do you guys know, how do you know NAV and the Equium Group? And Okay. So there's sort of two components to that. Um, back, and I'm going to think it was probably about 2014, I took, or tried to take a little course on how to become an instructor at CREB. Mm. Um, and Navaz was part of that. Uh, well, he was trying to be an instructor as well. Really? And we met that day. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it was broken into a number of parts. And I survived the first part and decided not to go back for the second mm -hmm. and third parts. And I... I don't actually know what he did, but I remember meeting him that day. And then a few months later, um, I went on a tour of Brookfield Place when it was still under construction. Mm. And it was organized by um, uh, RICS, which is a UK-based valuation and real estate um, organization. It used to stand for... Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, Jonathan Lachance was one of the people who is also an RICS member. He came on the tour and he brought Navaz with him at the time. Well, what's an RCIS again? Royal oh. Institution of Chartered Surveyors. So it's like an appraisal company from the UK. Yeah. Brookfield is from we're, the UK, right? We're chartered valuation surveyors. Okay. Uh, on, and there's different types. Mm -hmm. um, there's quantity surveyors in there as well. So, no, Brookfield is Canadian. Oh. Um, they, oh, they they have a long history, but they're, and they're, they're real estate holdings are worldwide yeah oh. i was just talking because one of my uh friends she actually works for brookfield and um they were talking about how like brookfield is is managed by a huge hedge fund essentially yeah and they own they own real estate all over the world and yeah. they actually own a lot of things yeah. all oh. over the world <laughs> yeah. and yeah are we talking about the same brookfield like the builder too yeah oh yep that's a so different component. So they have different avenues of... Yeah. Okay. So anyways, yeah. we, we, yeah. we did the tour of Brookfield Place, which included riding up the outside of the building in a construction skip. Um, 
which was an experience in and of itself. Um, and when we all got back down on the ground, uh, I ended up going for a drink with Jonathan. And <laughs> us, um, a drink only? One drink? <laughs> well, it's, it's a phrase. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I uh, that's when we met, and um, uh, I got to know Jonathan first, and then um, Navaz a little bit more as time went on, and mm-hmm. um, they actually held my license at Equium for a year in there, mm. um, and then I uh, I wasn't registered for a couple of years in there and then needed to get back to it. So that opportunity came up and I agreed to it. Mm. To be registered like as a realtor. Well, basically to become the broker. And Mm. so you um, already had your associate broker license, I guess. Yes. And I actually had been a a broker of a small commercial firm before, Oh, uh, you know, back in, 2009 and 10. Mm-hmm. So uh, essentially they just asked you to help with the broker to create Equium Living. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you're just like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought. Did you know it. that we were coming on board though? No. Oh, no, you didn't. No. Well, they, they, <laughs> said, they said they knew some people who <laughs> might join them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that was about it. I, I didn't know, you know, individually who you guys were until, um, the party. Yeah. Well, yeah. Shortly before that (laughs) party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When I got a list of names and said, okay, the brokerage is open, please register these guys. And, you know, so you go through and check everybody out. Yeah. And then, Actually, I I think only one person was registered before yeah. the party, and then the rest of us were after yeah. the rest of you. Yeah, I think right I jumped. I, I was the first, yes. and then... Um, no, I was first. Oh, yeah, Dave was first, because we had to... You had to wait. I had to wait or something, eh? Yeah. So Dave there was moved, a deal that was yeah. going through. And uh, you had to wait after that deal was actually finished. Otherwise, you'd have to pass it off to somebody else in the brokerage. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Because he couldn't be at another brokerage without that deal closing. So, I, I think I remember that, yeah. So, yeah, now you're the broker. <laughs> yes. before, um, before, though, before, I guess, because this is obviously not like your main thing. You are a full-time, you um a full-time appraiser with uh bourgeois bourgeois brook chin associates yes (laughs) yeah well you're one of the partners yes yeah so how did you get into that um we go way back from the very beginning and i guess yeah what started what got you into appraisers and real estate oh yeah some of that might be too far back. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I guess you could say I came out of university and did a few things and was looking for 
something more or less, you know, career oriented to do. And, um, I sort of like the idea about real estate. Um, at, at, you know, and initially when I was in high school and, and the early part of university, I was interested in architecture. Mm. Um, and, I wasn't prepared to go back to school at that particular moment, and I uh, I actually had an uncle who was an appraiser up in Red Deer. Mm-hmm. I went up and spoke to him for a couple of hours. Um, he was adamant that I never become an appraiser, <laughs> um, and uh, so I got in the car, drove back to Calgary, and registered in the first course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and why though why why didn't you well all all the reasons that he said it I should stay away from it and just wait and go back to school and in architecture um it turned out to be things that I was more or less interested in mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. um I think by by that point in time, I'd probably realized that um uh I, I was the kind of person who maybe wouldn't have been the best designer. Mm. Uh, I, I can recognize good design, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can do it. And, mm. and so I thought I'd always be a little bit disappointed in that element of it. Mm. Um, I did later have an opportunity and went back to planning school in the early 90s. And, you know, it was shared with a whole bunch of people in the architecture program and and, um, you know, I, I now know for sure I wouldn't have had the design skills to do it, but um, uh, the planning was interesting. So this was during um, university where you... Yeah, just- I'd, I'd actually been doing uh, appraisals for more than 10 years, and uh, an opportunity came up to go to planning school, and, you know, so I... I essentially worked part time and went to school and and mm-hmm. that and um, it it was a good background for the types of work or assignments that I do. Was that like city planning through UFC and stuff like that or? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people take that as a preliminary like um, major to get into architecture, environmental design, or city planning. Yeah, you you can. You can sort of go into it directly and go either way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so how old were you when, I guess, you started this company or partnered up with the, these people to start the Bourgeois company? Bourgeois. Oh, okay. So uh, Bourgeois Brook Chin Associates is only about three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the... The root of the company goes back to about 1984 for me when I started my company. That was before I was born. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear a lot of that. Um, and, uh, you know, there's been several iterations of it over the years. Um, so you started the company in 1984, essentially. I started my part of it. Okay. Um, and how old were you? At that time? I guess 31. 31, okay. Um, 
And kind of the, like our age when we started Wineways. The, the other side of it um, was a company called Bourgeois and Associates out of Edmonton. And um, uh, that was started by Guy Bourgeois probably in the late 70s. Um, I, I didn't really know Guy. Um, I, you know, I met him a few years back. Um, and uh, Wait, my, Guy, Guy's the own the other owner. Partner. Yeah, Partner. he he yeah. used to own the company, and then about the time that he was starting to want to retire, um, my partner Simon Chin, who had worked for him previously, bought the company. Um, Guy semi retired um, at that time, and um, I had. M- you know, gotten to know Simon fairly well, and we decided it might be a good match to bring the two together. Mm. Um, he was up in Edmonton. I was in Calgary. So Simon and Guy had their company. You had your company. Yeah. And then so, you knew Simon, and that's when you guys kind of merged. Yeah. Mm. So and so Simon had worked for Guy for a, a fair amount of time. Uh, but then left, did a couple of different things, and then uh, didn't really go back he, until he bought the company about the time that Guy semi-retired. So that would have been in 2017, late. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that was recently. Yeah, and then we our partnership started in early 2018 on that. Oh. So I actually met Simon in 2012 when I was part of his... Uh, professional competency interview uh, panel. Mm. Um, and uh, shortly after that, he joined the AIC Provincial Board. I uh, got to know him, and we got along fairly well. So, you know, it was, uh, I think, an interesting match. Yeah. He seems pretty young, too, from what I've seen on the website. Like, how old is he? Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to guess I think he's about 40. Okay. Crazy. So you, you, this company actually started three years, about three, four years ago. Yeah. And then you, before you were just doing appraisals or? On your own. Yeah. Well, yeah, my company is actually, my company and Simon's company are actually in a partnership. So there's, my original company still exists in that form because it's, it's a partner of the. What's that company's name? Oh, this is a very creatively the one five three nine nine three Alberta Limited, <laughs> the good old numbered company. Yeah, it, um, and it it's operated under different registered trade names. You know, one time it was Brook Associates, then it was Brook Pure Buy Associates, mm-hmm. and you know, I think there were even different versions along there. Mm-hmm. So, you've been appraising. Um, for people that I don't know, are you appraising units for banks, or just like what exactly type of real estate are you appraising for? Like, and why are you do like what type of business? Okay, so since probably about nineteen seventy nine. I have done 
almost 100% commercial property, which could be, you know, offices, retail, um, industrial, apartment buildings, development land, special use properties like gas stations and auto dealerships and that kind of stuff. Um, because when people do, like, because I'm not that familiar with commercial, but when people are usually buying, they do usually get an appraisal on it, right? Is that what you're um, Yeah, generally, if they're going to get financing, they'll need an appraisal. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason. Um, a great deal of the work that I've done throughout my career um, is, you know, for, for litigation and land compensation purposes. So a lot of times my clients are lawyers or their clients. Um, so if you're a landowner... Uh, that has a dispute with someone um, and the value is related to that dispute, I might be called in for that. Or mm -hmm. if, um, you know, a jurisdiction wants to expropriate some of your property or all of it, um, be involved in that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So the, the rest is a mixed bag of... Um, certainly a good proportion of lending related assignments, uh, for all types of lenders. And then there's other ones like for tax reasons and, um, estate wrap ups and crazy. So it sounds like you don't do any real estate appraisals though. Residential. No, residential. it's all real estate. <laughs> residential. Residential. I yeah. don't do any residential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to speak No, it's up. all real. Yeah, but like, yeah, residential where um, I thought it was like you were doing it like for, you know, when the banks want to refinance a house or something, you know. No, there are, um, there are people who certainly specialize in that, mm -hmm. uh, who, you know, are appraisers and friends of mine, but um, it, generally there's a, uh, it's the industry split into residential and commercial for practical purposes. It's hard to mix the two types. There are still a few firms that, you know, do run both sides of the shop, mm -hmm. but um, I made a decision a long time ago that, I would rather have 30 deadlines a year than 900 deadlines a year. <laughs> yeah. So. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, did you do any, uh, you said you had your real estate license. Did you do any real estate transactions like sales and buys for a residential? Uh, no, not really for residential. Um, when I had my license, my focus was on commercial and mostly ended up to be development land. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, one of the parcels that we did was just, just north of here from 14th Avenue up to Bow Trail. On the west side of 85th Street, we helped assemble, I believe it was seven parcels, 42 acres of land, mm -hmm. um, and was sold to a developer who was a client that we knew. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some industrial development land and then resale of lots, 
um, small investment properties, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Now, as it happens, I did sell one house, uh, <laughs> or I, I represented the buyer mm -hmm. in the purchase of a house, and it was, it was a client, and I managed to um, list and sell a parcel that he owned that was um, medium-density residential land for redevelopment, uh, an apartment building. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of that deal was that he needed to find a place to live. And, <laughs> and so as it happens, um, I did one, one, one side one, of one <laughs> transaction. One um, house. I'm, you know, even my time as an appraiser, I, I did start with CMHC and I, you know, started in residential. Um, but I I spent less than eighteen months there for CMHC. Well, I in fact CMHC was four months, and then I moved to Alberta Home Mortgage Corporation, uh -huh. and uh, that was my first opportunity to blend in some multifamily. Mm. Um, late seventies was fairly active. Uh, there was a boom going on in the market, so. It gave me an opportunity to move into that type of property type, and a year later, I made another change and broadened what I could do, and mm -hmm. and that crazy. Um, I feel like you have a wealth of knowledge being in the industry for so long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's one thing you wish you had known? Um, wish you had known before you, if you could tell yourself back then, right now about appraising. I think when I, you know, when I look back, one of the things that I wish I had known is probably that the uh, the impact of uh, technology on our industry would be you know, continuous and <laughs> relentless. Um, yeah, that must have been, you probably started when it was just like paper. Yeah. Probably like it, the evolution of technology for you, hey? So, yeah, um, when I started, there were no desktop computers. Mm -hmm. Man, uh, I that, can't even imagine working right now with oh, technology. <laughs> they had facts. Right. Do you guys have fax machines? Yes. <laughs> yes, but not everybody had one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a, f a few years later, I think everybody had one and, and that. Um, you know, and it, it, it really has been continuous change all the way through. Mm -hmm. um, the impact on the industry is it has made us much, much more efficient than we once were. Mm -hmm. um, and you can you can tell that in just the numbers. Uh, in the early 80s, the, nationally, the Appraisal Institute, I think, had about 8,500 active members. And today, we're roughly half of that. Wow. Do you think um, they just got phased out or...? Uh, no, we, we all do more than twice as much work as we used to. Oh, um, 
you know, when when I started in commercial, there were no available sales databases at all. And so... How would you, you know, guys appraise something back in that day? <laughs> like... Uh, you know, you, you pick up the phone and... You know, if, <laughs> if you had to do a downtown office building, you were basically on the phone trying to find people who had done transactions and and follow up that way. That must um, have been a nightmare because you'd have to call every person to see what, like, just to get it, information. It was time consuming. So, you know, in the in the mid eighties, it was about fifty percent of an assignment was basically trying to find a sale. Um, and get information about that, um, you know, in the balance, writing it up, and quite literally it was handwriting out stuff, sending it into a typist, coming back and getting it corrected. So today, um, you know, I, I can go to the computer, I subscribe to a number of different databases, plug in some criteria, and a few minutes later be looking at, you know, 30 or 40 sales. Yeah. Um, and then start selecting. So, you know, there's, there's that side of it right down to the efficiency of creating the appraisal report, mm -hmm. having stuff like, you know, uh, spreadsheet software to do cash flow <laughs> analysis on and, and, and a lot of those kinds of things. So, so you're you saying know, that evolution has been very, like technology has made it very hard, it, well, uh, like it, adapting to like it's, it's up with it. changed yeah. it so that you know we're we're very much more efficient than we were when you consider in in 1980 um, Calgary was 600,000 people mm -hmm. when I started in this business. Uh, we're now 1.3 or something like that. So we're twice as big. There's twice as much real estate out there as there was before. Mm -hmm. um, and we're doing it with half the number of people that we did. So um, it's it's simply a measure of how much more efficient we are today. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's always stuff coming out that, is even still changing that. Yeah, I find um, that's kind of even what we're learning as we grow our real estate business is the how fast um, technology and even apps and and um, like you know Facebook, TikTok, things like this, it, social media, yeah. social media, like. It, it it's it's coming at a fast pace even like podcast right mm -hmm. new things keep evolving and um i feel like if if you don't adjust to the time or adapt to it it's it's very hard right because yeah. we noticed it a lot even in like previous brokerages that we were at and stuff like that like you would see how the technology was like surpassing the growth of the the realtors that were there and um and then over time like the technology was just getting so advanced that some of them were just like yeah i don't even want to do this anymore because <laughs> they can't compete yeah. um and uh if you don't adapt to the times it's like 
essentially survival of the fittest, right? So I remember when I first my one of my first real estate deals I did, I was um I don't know, six, seven years ago. I they taught me at the brokerage about DocuSign. So like online signatures. And I was doing I was like, oh yeah, this is really easy. And the realtor on the other side was still faxing. And I was like, why are you still faxing? And and <laughs> why are you still getting signatures driving across the city to get signatures? We could just do everything online. Cause he'd be like, just give me a couple hours. You know, I got to drive to Airdrie, get the signatures. Then I got to go back to the office, um, then fax it to you. And I was like, hey man, I could just do this for you right now. Just give me their emails and we could wrap this up, right? So I feel like it, technology definitely has an impact in, in the real estate. And I think it's going to continuously impact the real estate game for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, I, um, I can't even imagine the evolution of what you've seen, you know, from phones to portable, portable phones, you know, computers like that must, there was a lot of change from when you started to where it's at now, for sure. Yeah. Um, but essentially, we still do exactly the same thing. Yes. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we still put a value on a, you know, a property um, based on substantially the same valuation techniques. It, so, know, it's so just, it hasn't changed on how you do it, just how how fast how quicker it is right yeah the processes are the same yes yeah um that's true yeah (laughs) (laughs) the efficiencies yeah yeah uh but one thing on you know the real estate side of it um that i think is important and sometimes people miss is that it's still all about you know meeting real people and and getting them enough to trust you enough to represent them mm-hmm. on either side of the deal. Um, you know, I, I spent almost 10 years um, in a residential brokerage. Mm. Um, and I was, that's when I was doing commercial, but it was a residential one because it was handy. Mm-hmm. And I was also running my appraisal company at the same time. Um, my office was across from the branch manager, and it was a large brokerage. And, you know, I, I remember a lot of people coming and going. And uh, there were too many people who connected very well with the computers, but didn't actually connect with any buyers or sellers. Mm. And so they kind of move through the industry rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you need a bit of a balance there. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree. Um, people still like that human face to face. Yeah, it's the best way to build rapport with people. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess for you, that's you you have that because you grew up with that naturally. Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, you got to think now people are growing up with iPads, 
right? They're growing right. up. The, the people growing up now, um, with their kids, they're it's it's a totally different generation, right? So I, I'm curious how how that's going to turn out in like ten, fifteen years, right? Yeah, it's like a generation of introverts. <laughs> yeah, I think we lucked yeah, out because we're like right in the middle. Yeah, right. And you know, they may be comfortable doing things entirely in a digital environment that I wouldn't do, like. You know, I I wouldn't buy a car online um, because I'd miss the <laughs> test drive part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And to me, that's where all the fun is. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're a car buyer, you get to go out and try three or four different ones, maybe even ones you can't afford. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get a chance to drive them. Um, but I do understand that there are people who organize the whole thing, purchase the car, and you know, pick it up at the dealership having never touched it. It happens. It happens a lot now. Yeah, I wouldn't do that either. Yeah. Yeah. Test drive. That's, you know what? That's, a, I, I, I think that's going to eventually happen with real estate, with houses. I, I think that's leading to, towards that direction where people are going to look at everything online, see yeah. it, and they're going to be able to pretty much go through everything and then just buy it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. They call them blind purchases. Like it's it's very common in uh, Vancouver and Toronto with overseas buyers. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, uh, they may not be motivated by something that they're going to live in. Though. Yeah, exactly. You know, so more of an investment. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no doubt that you know there'll be a bit more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have to make sure the the house shows well online. Yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. You yeah. can't even see it. Like I, I actually just um, closed a deal this week with some buyers from Nova Scotia, and right. uh, the house isn't even built yet. Like it's it's just a foundation in the ground. They're just starting framing this week, but like we essentially walk through another builder spec that is in construction, like in the finishing phases right now. So in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing like FaceTime to walk through another property that has the exact same plan that they're building. That's going to be finished in June. So, um, then, uh, like we're pretty much essentially doing everything digitally. Yeah. Well, it's change, man. That's, it's that's possible. Yep. Yeah. Um, in your whole career, I guess, what are like some big lessons you've learned that you can share from like mistakes or um, any mistakes you could have or any big lessons that that have taught you lessons? <laughs> I feel like well, yeah. so you know, one underlying philosophy is that um, I I think people learn a lot when they make mistakes mm. and they're probably lessons that are uh, better learned if that expression is proper. But um, yeah, I, so, you know, I don't mind making mistakes. Um, it, it's a, f- a fast learning process to discover <laughs> that you've done something wrong and it needs to be fixed. So I, I don't necessarily regret those. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And other than that, it's a lot of it just simply comes down to understanding what you what you do do, what you can do, and what you shouldn't do. Um, so, um, you know, it, it takes a little while to figure out exactly where you want to be and what works. And, um, you know, there's a, you achieve a certain level of maturity when you begin to understand that there's things that you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and for appraisers, I think it's come to the realization that certain property types you need to stay away from because somebody else is going to have better information or knows how to deal with that. Um, and it doesn't make a lot of sense, you mm-hmm. know, for someone like me to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my long-term example there is a dairy farm. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll do you know, certain types of agricultural land because mm-hmm. I'm familiar with it and d- have done a lot of it over the years. But it's it's very different to go into an intensive agricultural operation and try and figure out what's going on. That That's when you need a real expert. <laughs> Man, how do you even appraise a dairy from? Are you like, is it per I, cow or like? <laughs> I, I have no idea. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> how much milk you produce. Yeah. Yeah, there's... There's probably a variety of measures. Um, so, yeah, there's, and also learning, you know, which, which geographical areas, um, you want to go into and, and work. And a lot of that depends on asset class, mm-hmm. you know, so. It's, it sounds like what you're saying is, when you know what you're what you're not good at appraising you try to stick away from that cuz it could cause more damage than well it, yeah. yeah and and really it's you know not, not just the issue of making a mistake but mm-hmm. it comes back to if you are going to do a good job it's going to take too long to do it mm-hmm. you know and maybe your time is best spent elsewhere it's like you know i I got a call last year from an old client who wanted me to represent them on the purchase of an acreage outside of, well, sort of in the um, Brad Creek area. Mm -hmm. And I had to explain to him that I was the wrong person for that. We we had done a number of commercial deals in Calgary. Mm -hmm. And I'm the right person for that, but not an acreage because I just don't know. You know, it would be easy to miss something. Uh, you know, you've got things like wells and septic systems to worry about and what appropriate tests are there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sure, I could figure that out, but um, there's somebody out there who knows that immediately, and I think they would... You know, I told them they'd be better served by someone who understood that market. Mm. Got it. Yeah. What are some common uh, myths about the business that you want to debunk? 
Uh, so, <laughs> I suppose I I had marked down three of them in response to this. So, the first one is a lot of people expect the appraiser to know what the value of the property is uh, during the inspection. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I used to be like that. I was like, what is the surprise that you've seen it now? Right. But yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I, an appraiser might have a pretty good idea of what it is. Um, you know, whether it's a, a house in a certain area or, you know, a commercial condo or a warehouse building. Um, but you know, the, the number may come up a little bit differently. So, Really, the inspection is almost, you know, right at the beginning of the assignment. You take all the data from the inspection, go back to the office, and that's when the real work begins. So that's one myth. Mm -hmm. um, what was it? I think I had another myth down there. The letter of opinion. So this is essentially... You get a request and say, all I want is a letter of opinion. Just put a value on a piece of paper and sign it. Um, go that, back. That, that's, that's what a letter of opinion is. It's just you saying like, hey, this is priced at this, and then you sign it? Without even looking at it? Well, you, you may have seen it, you may not. But here's the problem with that. Um, people or appraisers may have been doing letters of opinion in the 1960s and maybe into the 70s. Mm. But certainly by the early 90s, we had standards come down that eliminated this as an option completely. And even when I go back right at the beginning of my career, the, the, the rules basically didn't have enough room to do that, like just simply put a number on a P letterhead and sign it. Are you it. allowed to do that right now? No. no right? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And we, we haven't yeah. been allowed to do it for 40 years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, I've never even heard of this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, and maybe I shouldn't have mentioned it. <laughs> but anyways, I still get requests. Mm. You know, and I get requests from people who were never even in the market when some appraisers did them. Mm. Um, and there's usually... You know, two or three a year. Uh, just give me a number. Uh, no, I can't do that. I've got, you know, uh, uh, I think the the standards run about eighty pages mm -hmm. that deal with what we have to do. Uh, not each rule applies in every situation, but essentially, you know, there's a consistent number of things that you have to answer and have to deal with. And it is very hard in a commercial property to write a report that's less than 40 pages. Mm -hmm. and most of them are probably 50, 55 pages. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that gives the reader enough information to understand what you've done. Mm -hmm. Is, um, is uh, appraisals um, governed by RICA? Um, or they have like their own? Not anymore. Um, okay, so appraisers in Alberta were licensed by RECA 
from I think it was about 2005 until um, December 1st, 2020. What? So that's uh, very recently. Yeah. We, uh, in the reorganization of, of RECA, we went through the stakeholder meetings and we made a presentation that appraisers should not be licensed by RECA. Mm. Um, the, essentially, the government agreed with that. Why, why not, though? We have our own professional organization, um, as well as a couple of other ones in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very much a lot of duplication of the same thing. Mm. Um, and back when there was a movement to license appraisers, probably the late 90s and early 2000s, um, Alberta was sort of one of the early ones to jump on that bandwagon, but almost, well, no other province subsequently licensed. So um, earlier, New Brunswick and Newfoundland, no, sorry, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia had licensing, but it was a very different licensing model actually run by the industry. In Alberta, what happened is they tagged us into the Real Estate Act and put us under RECA jurisdiction. And there's a problem was that we were an organization or an industry of, you know, 700 people at the time, and there were 15,000 realtors. Um, So it's hard to get a voice. And um, it... It turned out, I think, in the end that um, it didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. So we we are no longer licensed. I didn't know that. That's good. That just happened, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dave, did you have any other questions for Terry? Um, just going back to your your uncle when he had first advised you not to get into appraisals was that because he was in residential appraisals or was he doing commercial appraisals back then he actually did everything because red deer is a smaller market so um you know you would you would do um residential acreages commercial farms um (laughs) You know, it was uh, an interesting time in those days. Mm. And he had come out of um, mortgage lending industry okay. uh, and was an appraiser there and ended up starting his own firm in Red Deer in the, I think it was probably mid to late 60s. Mm. That'd be interesting times. <laughs> I can't even imagine, man. Can you imagine doing... Real estate in the sixties. <laughs> no, like, how would you get the keys? How would you? How would you get? Everything would have to be in person. And, you have to drive, yeah. Drive. Well, did they yeah. have cars back then? Oh yeah, they had yeah. cars. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they did. They, they had cars. Okay. Um, <laughs> Although I, <laughs> but not a lot of people. A lot of people drove back then. Still, too, right? 
Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Fell for okay. It. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. Okay. I, I, I grew up in a small town in central Alberta, and we still had a guy who delivered all the stuff that the um, uh, train dropped in town. And he did his deliveries on a horse-drawn wagon <laughs> up until he retired. And that would have been in the mid-ish 60s. Mm. And uh, apparently it was just because, um, you know, he did a good job. And CP asked him apparently uh, at one point whether he wanted to replace his wagon with a truck. And he said no. And he kept the horses. <laughs> yeah. Can't even imagine, man. Like, you guys didn't even have GPS. <laughs> like, how would you guys... Just even, a map? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah Two-dimensional yeah. GPS. Yeah. 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 Maps are, yeah. Just read the map. <laughs> yeah. Although, I will point out that the GPS, or at least Google Maps, sent me to the wrong site. Here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, and, you called me. <laughs> um, if, if you were to put my home address into it, it will take you to a spot that you can see my unit, but you can't get in the front door. <laughs> They're not exactly accurate either. Yeah. Yeah. N 90%. It, it misses some local knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Terry, this, this podcast is called behind the business and I feel like you, you know, been in the industry for a long time. Um, is there any, um, advice that you could give in regards to business, running a business? Yeah. People that want to get into appraisals, maybe. Yeah. Any last words that, uh. You want to share? Well, um, getting into the appraisal business is not easy. Um, if, well, uh, first of all, in order to take the appraisal courses, which depends on your background as a undergraduate degree, um, is anywhere from six university-level courses to 18. Mm -hmm. uh, and you do need a degree in order to get designated. Um, Just to so, even apply for a, um, So you, you need to be halfway through a degree in order to become an appraisal institute candidate member. Really? So you can complete the degree and your designation requirements while you're working. Um, there's also, of course, two years. Uh, in the case of commercial appraising, there's two years of uh, practical experience required as a minimum. Mm -hmm. um, so the reality is that most people still seem to be taking around three and a half to five years to complete all the requirements. Mm. Uh, they're usually working at that time. Um, so it's, so it's a little bit harder than real estate. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. have a, a university degree. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So, and, you know, on a practical point, you're probably going to have to, you know, there's nothing that prevents you from starting your own business, uh, usually once you're designated. Um, but on a practical basis, it'll probably, you know, be somewhere in the seven to 10 year period before, you know, you have enough industry contacts and um, a guaranteed client, client base on, say, the commercial side. Mm -hmm. The residential side is very, very different. Um, the most of the work that appraisers do on the residential side is handled by appraisal management companies. So it's a matter of getting on their lists and working through that system. And I probably have the dubious distinction of having never done an appraisal for an appraisal management company. Mm -hmm. So consequently, I don't know the details about this. Um, I hear the <laughs> stories. Um, and uh, it's, it is very different. And there are a lot of people who like it. it um, um, how would you say, though, that you, how, how did you grow your clientele and your business in this realm? Uh, I, I guess the only response to that is organically. Um, almost all of my current business comes from referrals mm. and past clients. And the the challenge at this point of course is that um you know when i started all my clients were probably 15 or 20 years older than me mm -hmm. and most of those people have now retired um and you know to make a long story short in doing you know work for law firms and that i'm somewhere between my third and fourth generation of lawyers. Hmm. Um, you know, the first group that hired me when I was starting out, and they really hired the firm and the senior that was in the firm, um, you know, they were all 15, 20 years older. Then we go through the people who are my contemporaries, um, who are now probably right at that point of retirement. Um, and then we go, you know, the generation below them, who I've been working with for about 10 years now, and even getting to the point now where, you know, I'm beginning to work with some new um, people who, you know, have recently become associates in the firm. Um, so... You know, and the same thing has happened in development. The same thing has happened with lender clients. So you have to keep renewing the process. Um, and, you know, just hoping that you can still connect with the various people uh, who need your services. But, yeah, you, you can't. You can't depend on a stagnant client base, mm -hmm. um, no matter what aspect of it you do. Um, 
you know, you could have one great client at, um, you know, pick any bank you want to insert there Mm -hmm. and have done work for them for seven years and they love you. And then you get an email one day saying that they've been promoted or moved over here and the person who takes their place um, has someone else who's preferred. Um, and maybe they move to a position that they no longer order appraisals. Mm. So it's, it's constantly evolving, Mm -hmm. but you know, if, if you keep people generally happy and, and they're willing to pass your name around, I know I don't do enough business development for totally new clients, but, um, the firm is small, so I have, uh, some capacity limitations mm. and uh it's it's no fun being too busy um and it's also no fun having no business so <laughs> it's it's you kind of got to strike a balance it's a yeah. fine balance between the two yeah for sure i think that's what we're we're too busy yeah we're too busy right now but yeah awesome um I guess we'll end it at that, Terry. Um, okay. Where where can they find you if they have any questions with them? You know, the easiest place to find me, email address, um, tbrook, B-R-O-K-E, at shaw.ca. Um, you know, I don't recommend phoning me because I spend a lot of time in meetings or... Mm-hmm. Um, and I often don't get an opportunity to uh, answer the phone. So if if you get through, you're likely dealing with voicemail. Mm-hmm. Um, emails are easier to respond to, you know, um, even in breaks and meetings. So that's the best way. Um, my own little sales pitch is that uh, I, um, I'm starting a blog of my own. Nice. Um, and the site should go live around the end of this month. Um, so we're, we're working in development on the site and it's, it's going to be, you know, uh, it, we'll call it an appraiser's site. It's not going to really be one that a lot of people are going to find incredibly engaging <laughs> in real estate. and What's it called? Yeah. What's the website name? Uh, it's... Oh, you can't... Uh, you know, I don't even know if it's got a name yet. Other than it's, <laughs> it's under mine, my name. Okay. Um, okay. And it's a blog about just appraising and... It's... Yeah, I'm going to say that it's... It's real estate, and it's mostly dealing with valuation-related issues or modeling in real estate um, and that. Sounds good. Well, let us know. And, um, and of course, there will be all those little mistakes that my uh, associates at Equium Living make. <laughs> <laughs> uh, us especially. Well, we're the only ones. Who else is he talking about? <laughs> Terry probably, yeah, we, we don't need to talk about that. Ter- Terry's like, who are these guys with Rika on me already calling me? 
But um, no, it was great to have you, Derry. Yeah, um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on, and um, okay. yeah, we appreciate the time. We appreciate the time. Okay, that's Thank a you. wrap.